Up World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. And you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We've got a title sponsor for today's episode. This show's brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the Trailblazers reopening their practice facility after being closed since March 11th. We'll talk about the timing of the reopening, what it might look like when the facility is opened, and then what's next. Phase two of the NBA slowly returning, potentially, this year after they've been closed for almost two full months. But let's start with the timing. The NBA, as recently as last week, said that the earliest NBA teams could open would be May 8th. It was originally May 1st, and then the NBA, um, which has been, from at least from the outside, seemingly fairly proactive in, in talking to teams and getting a plan and trying to develop uh, what might be next for this sport, uh, the NBA decided that May 1st was a little too early and they'd push it back to May 8th. So May 8th was going to be this date, the earliest date the teams could open, and... As it turns out, as of right now, when I'm recording this on May 6th, there are three teams that plan to open up on Friday, May 8th. The Portland Trailblazers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Denver Nuggets. The Houston Rockets, and and that reporting comes to you courtesy of Mark Medina and Jeff Zilgit of USA Today, who first uh, reported on this news in depth. Uh, The Houston Rockets had planned to open up on Friday, but Texas Governor Greg Abbott pushed back the opening of gyms until May 18th, and the Rockets are aligning with the state's plan in this case. Per Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, several more teams, uh, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, the Atlanta Hawks, are 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 hoping to open next week. But the Blazers are the rare team on the West Coast that plans to open up. The Kings do not have a an opening date. The Los Angeles Clippers are following the local stay-at-home orders until May 15th, which is uh, the rules in Los Angeles County and the state of California. Uh, but they've petitioned authorities to have access when the state moves to sort of phase two of reopening. That, uh, again, is courtesy of USA Today, Medina and Zilgit. The Los Angeles Lakers... Um, they're going to be closed at least through May 15th. Uh, the Lakers planned to keep their facilities open until those orders are lifted. But according to Shams Tarani of The Athletic, the Lakers are eyeing a May 16th opening. So if it sounds like if uh, L.A. County and the city of Los Angeles are delayed until after May 15th in terms of their shelter-in-place orders locally, the Lakers are going to petition to open up separately. Golden State Warriors, obviously San Francisco, one of the cities in America that had these earliest cases of uh, COVID-19 and one of the uh, earliest shelter-in-place orders put in place. Uh, The Warriors don't plan to open up their facility until June 1st at the earliest. And there is a city-stay-at-home order in San Francisco until the end of May. It's May 31st. So uh, June 1st would be the absolute earliest. Golden State seems like they are following the local guidelines. Why I mention these states. One, it's the West Coast. Um, it, it's probably the closest uh, comparison we have to the Blazers. In addition, uh, the West Coast states, Washington, Oregon, and California had made a pact to sort of reopen at the same time to kind of uh, approach the reopening of their economies, of their communities, I think is a better way to say it, uh, 
sort of in conjunction with each other. So, so there wouldn't be, um, you know, a lot of sort of West Coast migration to one community that was open and one community that was not. But the state of Oregon really hasn't changed their shelter-in-place laws. In fact, uh, they're going to set up, set in motion phase one of reopening the state beginning on May 15th. That would be uh, not this coming Friday, but the Friday after that. Uh, I don't believe Oregon qualifies as a state with relaxed stay-at-home orders, which was what most of the reporting I had read on this suggests that states with relaxed stay-at-home orders, they could send teams back to their practice facilities. Um, so that explanation that's been floating around the past couple weeks is obviously not entirely accurate. The Blazers are allowed to to go into work, right? They're allowed to go into work. Uh, I don't totally, to be honest, understand the legal implications. My best explanation of this is that the Blazers are not providing a public service. They are voluntarily asking employees to come to work. Um, and so the shelter-in-place orders would not necessarily apply to them. It is not a mandate, um, and they are not uh, interacting with the general public when they are there. So the Blazers being on sort of the the front edge of, of teams opening up is a bit of a surprise to me, but w- without getting too deep into that, I think the point of opening up is more something that we should discuss now. As one NBA GM told Ramona Shelburne, this is by no means ramping up towards something. It's more about mental health than anything. And I think that's the big thing. The best explanation for letting players into practice facilities is because it's potentially the safest option. It's even likely the safest option, right? It's a controlled environment with a billion-dollar corporation that's going to take major precautions and be, at least from what we understand, hypervigilant in protecting their employees, both players and, you know, health and performance staff and and other and coaches and things like that. Uh, in addition to all that, in addition to the, to the precautions, which we'll talk about in the second segment, there's also some dudes who just don't have hoops. C.J. McCollum told ESPN in an interview last week that he does not have a basketball goal at his house. He doesn't. He cannot go shoot. Uh, he bought a house, I believe, with his uh, his partner, his fiance, and in the city, and they just don't have a basketball court at the house yet. Uh, either I don't know if he's going to build one or whatever, but he has 24 hour access to the to the PF. He has 24 hour access to the Rose Garden. If he wants to go shoot, he can go to these professional facilities and shoot. Until now, until this truly unique circumstance. I believe Carmelo Anthony in another interview said the same thing. So these are guys who just are now closing in on two full months without shooting a basketball. They can stay in shape. They can, uh, you know, lift free weights at their house and go for a run and do some cardio things and some, and, and stretch and do balance things and keep their body at least sort of close to where they want it to be. But they, (laughs) these guys literally cannot go shoot a basketball. And quite frankly, I think that's part of the motivation for getting guys back in the gym. Certainly just a mental health thing. Getting these dudes who have known nothing but play basketball all the time since they were, you know, middle schoolers to back to the thing that sort of brings them the most peace. Obviously, we all know that uh, this has been a challenging time in our lives where things that bring us peace are even more valuable. So I think that's a big thing. And I think just getting guys to get to be able to get shots up in an environment where it's safe. It's much better than say uh you know middle of May Oregon opens up local gyms and like 24-hour fitness all across the 
all across the community is open, you know, whether it's in, in suburbs or in the city. And all these dudes who live all over the Portland area aren't allowed to go back into NBA facility, but are allowed to go back to 24-hour fitness. It seems like that would be much more dangerous for them, you know, even if they go with under some sort of special millionaire circumstances. The getting into the practice facility is just unquestionably a safer environment. So it makes sense to me why it would happen. I don't totally understand the legal reasoning, and I have not seen anyone um, in the local market uh, Blazer Reporter explained that. Certainly no one on the national level has explained how it works. They've all reported that it would take, you know, l- relaxing of stay-at-home orders. That's not the case. What the case is that a, the Blazers, a private company, are allowing their employees to come back and voluntarily work out. So what we want to talk about in the second segment is what those voluntary workouts will look like. The NBA has issued some specific parameters for how guys will be able to get back in the gym and work. So in the second segment, we'll talk about what those specific parameters are. But before I do that, I want to tell all y'all about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Sounds pretty good. 16 amazing flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. There's eight chocolate and nut options. There's eight ch- just straight up chocolate options with no nuts. Built Bars have a great texture. I was eating one earlier today. It's soft and chewy. And like I said... Tastes like a candy bar, but it has the benefits of a protein bar. It's great for the health conscious among us. It's also a great way to cut down on unwanted or unhealthy calories while still indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, they're low sugar, but they're still high in protein, high in fiber. They got flavors like peanut butter brownie, one that I was snacking on earlier today. And with peanut butter brownie, you're getting a bar that's got 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. Tastes great. Good for you. It's a great indulgent little snack if you're stuck at home and constantly looking in the pantry for something to munch on. So if you want to get involved, here's what you do. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's $10 off your first order when you use Lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at BuiltBar.com. All right. So in the first segment, we talked about the Blazers reopening their practice facility, which they plan to do on May 8th. They're among the first teams in the league planning to do so. Obviously, the situation is fluid. There's a chance by you, by the time you listen to this podcast that more teams will have decided to open up on May 8th or less teams will. If things change, obviously, I'll report it here. But, uh, you know, just offering that caveat, understanding that the world is so fluid and uncertain. But what I want to do in this segment is talk about what will a reopened NBA practice facility look like? Now, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press wrote a wonderful analysis of kind of the NBA's precautions. So, with a special hat tip to Mr. Reynolds of the AP, here's what the here's what the rules will look like when the practice facility opens in beautiful Tualatin on Friday afternoon. So there would be no more than four players would be permitted at the facility at any given time. So basically team, you know, some guys would come early, some guys would come late, uh, some guys would come in the middle of the day, but they would space it out between the 14 players in the Blazers roster and and have them come in, in four person chunks. The NBA also says that no head or assistant coaches could participate. So if guys are getting shots up, they are going to be doing it on their own. And the rules still apply one player, one basket. So basically, it just allows guys to come in, play with, 
you know, NBA basketballs on an NBA hoop in an indoor controlled facility. They won't be playing one-on-one or two-on-two or things like that, or they won't be permitted to. Uh, In addition, from Tim Reynolds, he says that there will be a 12-foot buffer between everyone. And I want to talk about the ball more specifically in a second, but in addition to one player, one basket, it's one ball. So you, you, it'll be like you playing in your backyard. You shoot it, you go grab your rebound, you shoot it again. But uh, in addition, Tim Reynolds details that everyone's got to wear masks and gloves. The lone exception, everyone in facility. So if there's if if there are coaches there or there are team t- other team personnel like health and performance type people or or trainers and things like that, they got to wear masks and gloves. The lone exception will be players while they work out. So if you're on the court, uh, you know, or lifting weights, I assume you don't have to work out. But if you're doing other stuff like getting treatment for injuries, um, you would ha- you would need to be wearing a mask. That seems a little dicey to me, to be quite honest. Like when is a basketball player while at the facility not working out, not going through physical activity? That part seems like a gray area that we'll have trouble with. But I guess all of America is sort of having trouble with when to wear a mask. So NBA players, they're just like us. Also, in addition, according to Tim Riddle to the Associated Press, every player must undergo cardiac screening before resuming voluntary workouts. This is a thing I'll talk about in the third segment, but basically there's not going to be uh, COVID testing at these facilities. So the way that teams are going to probably be able to do this is by some sort of cardiac testing to make sure your respiratory and um, cardiac functionings are happening like they should, and also probably taking people's temperatures. I mentioned the basketballs, and I want to get back to that. So... Uh, basically what the league wants to do is they want to designate a staff member for each team to be the quote facility hygiene officer to oversee all these new policies. Um, the players are going to have to, you know, it's one player at a time, but they're also going to have to come in by themselves. They don't get to come in with family members or if they have, or friends who come work out with them or personal security. And there's going to be rules about uh, cell phones and keys and other often touch items. Just they're going to have to be disinfected and kept in a certain place. Players aren't going to be allowed to share towels and teams aren't going to be allowed to open up their steam rooms or their saunas or their cold tubs or their cryo chambers or all those other recovery things for players. Basically you can go grab a basketball and shoot. That's what the NBA is allowing you to do right now. And they're going to have this facility hygiene officer who mandates this. But have a ball and shoot is not as simple as you would think. The official game ball is made by Spalding uh, and Spalding and the NBA have have concocted a plan. I don't think it's important that uh, the game ball is made by Spalding, but it is something that was in a press release and also made the Associated Press report and an ESPN report I read. So Spalding getting a lot of love and they're going to get buzz marketed here just because I read their name so many times, I guess. But basically the NBA and and the people who make the basketball, they have developed a plan for how to clean the basketballs after workouts because they're they that's really important um is just the reason why it would be dangerous is because you, you know cj mccollum gets in there he shoots you know 1500 shots his hands are all over the basketball he leaves everything is sanitized and then you know anthony simons comes in and grabs that same basketball so what they're going to do is there is a solution that they'll wipe down the basketball with made from some dish soap something like dawn or something and a whole bunch of water and then after that, after the dish soap, then they'll further wipe them down with water, allow them to dry so they're they're soaped, soapy water, dry, re-washed in water, and then air-dried. And then after they're air-dried, they're going to be sprayed down with disinfectant. 
So I want to imagine whoever has been elected facility hygiene officer, um, which is already kind of a goofy ass title anyways, is spending a lot of their time doing like the reverse of baseball. You know, in baseball, they're dirtying up the baseballs. They're grabbing, getting the special mud and rubbing them in mud. The NBA's heading is, is going in reverse and they're super disinfecting these basketballs. Uh, I, I think this is... Um, this is like really specific. All this stuff is really specific and, and safe. But I, I part of me thinks it is, it's an optics thing for the league. They want to head in this direction. They think it's the right thing to do. Guys are itching to get back to play. Teams are itching to get back together. Um, the league doesn't want to uh, cancel the season. But they also want the general public and someone like me who who in talks at the general public in these in this podcast to kind of give you an idea of how serious they're taking it. And they're taking it seriously, from what we can tell. But what I, want, what I want to talk about in the third segment is what's next? We know the teams are opening up facilities, but are we getting closer to basketball with this stuff? So that's what we'll talk about in the third segment. We'll close the show discussing about phase two of, of the NBA reopening its facilities across the country. Still a pass for his point guard. Still locked on Blazers from Snow Mike Richmond. We're still talking about the Trailblazers opening up their practice. They're going to do so on May 8th. We talked about it in the first segment. In the second segment, we talked about what it will look like. Now I want to close the show talking about facilities open. Guys are in there taking all these precautions. What happens next? I think it's safe to say that most NBA teams will have their facilities in some way, shape, or form, open by the end of May. It sounds like the Warriors, the team with the worst record in the league and a city that has some of the strictest rules about sheltering in place, might not open up till June 1st. Uh, the Warriors don't want to play any more games. <laughs> they, they're, they're done. They're ready to be in off-season mode. Steve Kerr told uh, the press as much about two weeks ago, 10 days ago, now that you're listening to this podcast. So let's, let's rule them out. Let's say the other 29 teams, though, they want to be back in their facilities in May, working towards some version of the season restarting. So I think there's an outside chance that you could say that teams, at least possibly, will be practicing together in June. Maybe not everybody in the facility, but maybe they'll be will allow for two-on-two or some version of group group-type workouts and not just one individual. And I think if you're doing that in June, it means conceivable that the season could reopen in July, right? That's just how the timeline follows, that if you open in May, practice in June, you could play in July. Uh, There needs to be some sort of a training camp, even if it's just 10 days, but there needs to be some sort of ramp up. You can't just drop guys in to, you know, the final five five or 10 games of the regular season or whatever they play, 15 games of the regular season, or if they don't do that, straight into the playoffs. you got to have some sort of training camp. But I think we're a long way away from that. Uh, Not just because it's early May and I'm talking about July, but because the NBA is being, it appears, very cautious, and rightly so in my opinion. So they're beginning this process, and the biggest hurdle to actually playing games it isn't just getting guys in the facility, it's going to be testing. And part of the issue, like I said with them, the way they're explaining the all these, proce- these 
procedures they're going to take to keep guys safe is the optics on the other end. The NBA just doesn't want all of their players and personnel and um, and and you know team employees to have access to tests for COVID nineteen that the American public does not have. And frankly, right now there aren't enough tests for the American public. That's the biggest hurdle for our country. Period. The lack of testing available to citizens will be the hardest part of America trying to restart itself, trying to open up communities. And that means it'll also be a problem for the NBA. And Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN detailed this in a couple tweets this afternoon when he said, and I'll quote here directly from Woj's tweet. He says, As some practice facilities become able to reopen starting Friday, teams are still instructed not to test asymptomatic players for coronavirus. For now, NBA's informed teams have updated measures on cardiac screening for certain players prior to voluntary workouts. Woj continues in a follow-up tweet saying, Without widespread coronavirus testing available to the country, NBA remains sensitive on using tests with players showing no symptoms entering facility to start workouts. If, slash when, the NBA opens camps for a formal return to play, there's an understanding testing protocols would change. I read in an ESPN story last week that the league estimated it would need access to at least 15,000 tests in order to sort of restart and start playing games. And that was under one of these bubble scenarios, which we'll have to talk about at a future date. But the league, the NBA is just not going to get access to 15,000 tests under the current conditions of the United States. That just is not happening. That's not realistic. And also, I think they're right to be sensitive. When the uh, Rudy Gobert case broke out and uh, it, it was confirmed that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for coronavirus and they stopped the league. And they basically, that was just kind of sort of a big uh, public moment when the when America shut down and then shortly thereafter in most of the world, right? But there was some objections or some questions asking like, yo, so why do all the jazz players and all the Oklahoma City Thunder players get tested for coronavirus immediately? How did they have access to those tests right away when the general public in America did not? And the explanation was that if you had were aware of a positive test and there was uh, you know 20,000 people in the arena, that it was a public health crisis. And I actually can agree with that. I think there is, if, you know, if all 30 players, all 15 guys on each team were positive for coronavirus, maybe we then you would have a a much stronger understanding of how much exposure there had been in that community. And I think the city of Oklahoma Oklahoma City deserved, um, you know, its citizens deserve to have that peace of mind, that clarity about about how many, you know, even if it's NBA players, I'm sure there were citizens in the arena that were had had been exposed to it in other ways. But, you know, if if you choose to come to the arena that night, how many players you're watching that could have been uh, communicating that virus. So I I didn't have as much objection to that at the time, but I think there were questions rightly asked about why those NBA teams would have access. Later on, when uh, Christian Wood and Kevin Durant tested positive for coronavirus, other people were saying, you know, why are these NBA players getting tests that citizens can't get? Like, I want to get tested. My family wants to get tested. Why are these millionaires getting access? I think it's a fair question, and I think the NBA is rightly saying, until we're going to start this thing back up and really play games, we don't want the bad optics of using up tests that could otherwise go to to the general public, that could otherwise be used at hospitals to test, uh, you know, citizens who are who are exhibiting symptoms and 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 the like, or exhibit 
asymptomatic citizens, if nothing else. Part of Oregon's reopening plan is to test 100,000 people, including a good portion of those who are asymptomatic, so we can get a better idea of maybe where this uh, disease is in the community, uh, considering that we don't really have access to that type of information now, the way testing works in this country. So all this is to say, step one begins Friday when the Blazers open their doors to players and let them come in and get shots up. That's basically what they're going to be able to do. Get some shots up, maybe lift some weights, talk to coaches and things like that. Obviously, they're doing that, um, you know, right now remotely, but it'll change a little bit. There's a big difference in, uh, you know, talking on FaceTime or on whatever your preferred video conferencing application is and and talking face to face 12 feet apart or whatever it might be in the practice facility. I think I think that's I think that's a big difference personally. So that it's going to start Friday with that. But to get back to playing NBA games, I still think is a ways away. I don't think we're particularly close. It's clear the NBA doesn't want to give up on it and I have read uh, in the LA Times and also I believe is an ESPN uh, that that the league still wants to play regular season games. They're not giving up on, you know, maybe playing a full 82 and some playoffs, maybe under a little bit tighter turnarounds on these games. But in any case, they're, they want to, they want to play as many games and have as close to a quote unquote normal season as they possibly can. Step one begins Friday. When step two happens, it's unclear. But when it does, Lockdown Blazers will be here to talk at you about it. That's what we do. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.